Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Mr. Tim Lamaster. Tim is running for House District 43 here in Portland. Uh, Nick and I met Tim back through the Multnomah County Republican Party forever ago, it feels like. A little over a year. My, then, my, yeah. my first meeting was the announced recall of Stephen Lloyd at that executive meeting. Oh, that, that was the first time you were that there. That was my introduction to Multnomah <laughs> County Republican Party. Welcome and my second show, meeting <laughs> was his wow. actual recall with all the shenanigans wow. that took place. So, yeah. That great, was great first impression of the Multnomah County uh, GOP. A lasting impression is, that is, there a is great still first impression? Like, <sighs> Have there ever been yeah. good impressions? <laughs> well, there was. When Stephen was in charge, I feel I, like that's we, were, fair, we were on the right track. Point then, well, point um, well taken. Stephen, come back. <laughs> yeah. well, friend of the yeah. pod, Stephen Lloyd, friend of yeah. the pod. Well, he's, he's working for the ORP now. So there you he's, go. He's doing, doing good stuff he's there, doing too. Right. He's still chair of the Young Republicans. Anyway, but we, so. we just stepped on your introduction. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. Oh, tr- yeah, there's so much to, to go on. I mean, that especially um, really kind of the first time I dipped my toes into actual party stuff. Um, for me, I'd, I've been all over the map when it has come to party affiliation. And, um, you know, actually, I learned about the PCP thing. I hear all these people talk about... Um, uh, was it the, the one guy that, um, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, a little bit on the crazy side to say the least. Um, we got plenty of those. Yeah. But I heard it through, um, just the news with John Solomon, very even going guy. He used to be a CBS reporter and has his own thing. And he did an interview with the PCP hmm. project guy. And, um, yeah, it was like, how in the hell don't we even know about this in civics class? Mm-hmm. Like, like, Nowhere. That's I mean, 20, 20 years of my life listening to to political stuff, you know, basically. And this was the first that I heard that, like, this is a, a low-level thing. Local thing is the best way to put it that really yeah. actually matters. What um, what can you tell us about HD43 and uh, what made you decide to kind of run for it? So, um, House District 43 is inner northeast Portland. Lloyd okay. District. uh um they didn't cut it up too bad with the gerrymandering that went on. It's pretty much the corner, more or less Rosa Parks and Lombard out to about uh, 40th. And there's a southern part. It drops in about 30th around Prescott. Okay. Um, so it's all that. And and the big thing, I think, with uh, 43 is that is essentially ground zero, really, for, you know, the racial, the racial stuff of Oregon's history. Mm. Um, the huge, Vanport. well, that's oh, not Vanport, but no, no. So that, but this is where they all came from that. And then, you know, the hate and discontent and disruption that happened into the 60s, 70s. And even I've learned recently the 80s. I mean, all through that time with the highway and then, mm-hmm. you know, the Moda Center stuff and all that. And then, um, um, it's been great walking and talking to people, uh, meeting people that live through, 
Uh, for example, in the 80s, when suddenly the city took an interest in Northeast Portland because mm-hmm. outside businesses wanted to do business. And that's when they got a police station, hmm. you know, and at that point, kids growing up there, I mean, I mean that's our age, my age, um, you know, the 1980s Stranger Things crowd. Um, the, uh, like I met a gentleman, he said, you know, and I've heard this over and over again, they, as kids were not allowed to go on to Killingsworth or Alberta street. Cause that mm-hmm. was hardcore gang and everything else. But then when outside businesses had an interest, the, the local government supported outside businesses. So that was a layer of, uh, of discontent and, um, arguably bigotry coming into that. Cause what about the locals that are there? And then that's when they decided to put police in and suddenly everything cleaned up. And then after that cleaning up, the gentrification kicks in. So yeah. that's really a big, big, uh, aspect of the history there. So I still haven't quite come to terms with, with gentrification. Cause on one hand, like pre gentrification, you have a lot of these places that were run down, high crime, you know, not good places to live, right. but they're affordable because right. they weren't great. You put in outside money, all of a sudden prices go up, housing prices, living cost of living expenses go up because there's outside investment. And so like, I don't know what the good, what a good solution is because it seems like neither of those things is beneficial really. <laughs> so one of the things I, I'll agree with you, I've always had a bit of a trying to get my brain around, well, what's not, what's the difference between a natural evolution of, of an mm-hmm. area and actual gentrification and where, and, and there's what's, what parses hairs from just, this is, you know, the flow of it. One of the things in particular about Northeast Portland that I, that, that really clicked for me when somebody brought this up and pointed this out was the fact that they put a police station in. Hmm. So a most fundamental government thing that's supposed to be offered personal protection and safety enforcement of the laws to protect your community was not taking place. These, this area was literally neglected mm-hmm. until, oh, well, we got some businesses. So that being the cat, that being like the real catalyst, if, if things have been kept even keeled and even the support, they didn't support the local businesses and help them out. Um, but the police thing really like nobody cared about keeping safety, let the mm-hmm. wild west happen until third parties said, well, we want to put money in there and you guys need to help us make it profitable. That's when the local government predominantly right run help. And, and to me, that, that was something that for this really clicked that one of those differentiatings, just evolution of a community and, you know, an ugly gentrification because then, yeah, because then things became more valuable when, okay, well, we're going to provide you cops now. Something that should have been there 50 years earlier Mm -hmm. and such. And, and you may have had a whole other, other way of it at that point. So that's interesting. So I, what, what, what was it about uh, that issue in particular that said, you know what, I want to jump in and kind of be the face of this and get on top of this and well, make sure that the community can, community can end up being a little bit better place to live. So for me, actually, I've learned about all that after the fact. So my motivation to get into, uh, throw myself into the political realm, I guess, um, is, uh, during the primaries, uh, met all kinds of people. I mean, you guys know you, and oh, yeah. that's one thing I'd oh, absolutely yeah. say to everybody. If you want to meet candidates, primaries is the time. The yep. good candidates, I mean, they're, they're going to every little hole in the wall. If you can, op- if you can, <laughs> if you can say, Hey, I can get 20 people in a room with you, they will show up, especially in the early days. And you can get some really good one-on-one time with folks. It's amazing. Um, well, there was a lady out of, uh, I think she was out of Clackamas that was just going around at these things and find out where you're from. And well, Hey, 
she actually had a full spreadsheet showing here's all the offices for local, local all the way up to state and even federal, you know, mm-hmm. in those instances that nobody's running. There's no Republicans. It's unchallenged. And, um, and, um, end up talking to her. I was like, Oh wow. And I found out district 43, not challenged. Like, well, okay. So excuse me. Had that in the back of my mind, but I figured, you know, I'll just wait, see what happens. And part of it for me is put up or shut up. Um, mm-hmm. I've been involved, you know, that's kind of the military, you know, retired Marine, retired Marine of uh, 22 years. And that was a little bit of a thing. It's just there hits a point when people are ranting on Facebook or whatever they're doing, having their rars about the problems. And um, just for me, it's just kind of that put up or shut up. So it was really kind of waiting till last minute. And it was about three days out. Nobody put a name in watching it. I'm like, well, screw it. I'll, I'll put out there. I mean, what's the worst could happen? And I'm a believer that people should have an option. And then once I put yeah. into this, I come to learn. Um, and, you know, to me, this should be a big booger onto the, the state and local Republican party. There's not been a person, there's not been a Republican challenging this seat, no option in the seat for 18 years. Yeah. So, and that's one of the big things I tell people and, and I've gotten a, you know, even, um, um, people that are very apparent Democrats, just not having that option is a bad thing for a lot of reasons, especially with closed primaries. That means that, that means for the last 18 years, there's really only been about one quarter, one tenth of the population that's decided who is in this office in all reality when they've been unchallenged. So, yeah. um, outside of the primaries, when they come around, they've never had to talk to people face to face. Well, that's one of the things that Stephen was pushing for when he was chair of the Multnomah County Republicans was to get just names in the, in those seats, because you're right. An unchallenged seat is unchallenged. And, you know, maybe like when I ran for HD 36 over on the other side of the river, I was out registered six to one. Like I knew there was really not a realistic chance of me winning that seat, but having an option and you know, it's it helps the brand because it looks like we have our our stuff together, kind of. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I to mean, an extent. It, it, yeah, like, have it, a no, it, whole it, other show on that one. It helps the Republican Party, it, the brand, and it and it shows the Republicans. I mean, because there were still, I still got seven thousand votes. There were seven thousand people in that district who were who were waiting for a Republican to vote for, and they didn't have the option. And so it helps with morale. It helps with the brand. So I, I really appreciate people jumping into seats, especially ones yeah, like yours seconded. That, have, that have not been challenged in a long time. So yeah. And, and even, even beyond that, um, you know, I, I just fundamentally, I'm, out, I'm a believer that everybody should get challenged. I, you know, yeah. presuming I get into the seat, I presume some, somebody should come after me in a primary and somebody should, you know, every time it should be a challenge. You should, whoever's in office, no doubt, especially with the problems we've had in Portland. I mean, it's been a, it's been a steady decline of, of the major issues. The homeless has been building up. It, it's not just surprise it's here. Granted, COVID kind of accelerated, but it was a problem even before that. Mm-hmm. It was there. Um, the crime issues were raising its head. You know, we had the whole, um, defund the police movement in, during the middle of an election season. That was actually a big piece. That was actually kind of the start of me, like, kind of eyeballing this. I didn't understand, um, the city election system with the at large and, and the funkiness of that. And so I was pretty frustrated that my options were bad and worse for mayor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where the hell's the Republican? Well, I understand now I probably wouldn't make it in the top three under the the, right. the system that they have but that there wasn't even really somebody there i mean there's one lame write-in that you know nobody knew about yeah. um but well, there were there were one or two republicans in the primary but they're okay. like you said it's it's top two it's a it's a runoff between the top two and those top two ended up being 
Democrat and more Democrat. So yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, very more Democrat. Um, yeah, the, the Republicans never. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, the mayor that through. literally everybody is yelling at in the town square. I mean, I was down there in the middle of it, watching and and the 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 riot and attacks on the federal building and stuff, just to see for myself. Because I have friends, oh, you know, this, you know, what's going on there, and and so go down to watch it for myself. And there comes Wheeler, and nobody's cheering him, and no. and he got reelected. Yep. So yep. I mean, what's that say? There's there's something funky with the uh, the city system, you know. That maybe should. Oh, on that note, that would be something good. If you and for you at some point, maybe mm-hmm. to talk about is the city charter and what's going on there, especially with the reform yeah. coming up. Yeah, there. I don't yeah. want to so sort of dive into that now, but, out, but, but yeah, and there's some yeah, there's some folks to talk to on that, and that's nice. that's an opportunity yeah. to to potentially deal with some of that. Yeah. Well, what ends up happening right now is we have five councilors. Well, we have four in the mayor, and but in reality, it's just five commissioners yeah and they each have their own bureaus the the, the mayor has For like a tiny reason, bit like- the ti- mayor has a tiny bit more power than the others but if to get anything done you need a majority of, of your five and they're all at large which means yep. you can anyone from anywhere can vote for any of them and so what ends up happening is you get five people from the west side of the river all yeah. running for those different positions and nobody from the east side gets any kind of representation and uh it's it's a huge mess yeah so um, I I agree. I haven't I haven't looked real deep into the charter, but I think that would well, be well. And that's it about. is a topic for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. But yeah I'll, I'll, and I was actually yeah, sharing some information all, yeah. with you on that because there's some folks that are really getting involved with that, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's really a big one. As many people as we can get the word out to, they really need to understand what's coming, and and we've been given the app, we've been given a bad option, mm-hmm. and then then when they survey, they say, well, it's either status quo or this bad option. Well. Okay, they just don't want the same, but nobody put a good option up there. We don't. There's no direct representation being put on the table, and hmm. that should not be the case. Well, and that's opinion. the thing for me is that they they combined the three ideas that they wanted to do into one thing, and everybody looks around and says, "Why can't we vote on these separately?" And the commission just yeah. said, "Yeah, no, we just want everything to be together." It's like, so you're going to force your own thing down in flames because nobody can accept. I think ranked choice voting is probably going to be the harder pill to swallow but we'll we'll end up seeing that yeah, and that's yeah, and i like we'll i said that's going to end up we'll being see. its own episode but um so 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 on a you know typical saturday afternoon tim's walking around hd 43 what is it that that you feel that the current representative is is kind of falling asleep at the wheel and what do you think could be done better there in the district um, to me a major piece of it is you know we're living the reality so regardless of what any representative wants to say they've done etc it's where are we at now um and and the the two really major issues as far as the average person you know living across the street from me or or in the neighborhood really comes down to a big one the the big one being the homeless and the crime situation mm-hmm. um by and large um, and you know, I, I knew that the homeless was a bad situation. I mean, you see it every go for me, kind of a last straw was, um, going downtown to go see the cherry blossoms. The cherry blossoms have a very special place for me. My military time, Marine Corps, um, I got about six years worth of time living in Japan and that's a mm-hmm. very special thing and sure. special to me for a lot of reasons and such. So go downtown and walk from the Pearl over to the river and literally dodging human feces along the way mm-hmm, watching yeah. and and the ncaa or whatever that basketball tournament was going on yeah so tourists people from all over are coming in for that and i see them part i saw people that guarantee they're just trying to get across the bridge to there and there's someone defecating against a tree 
You know, if I was quick with the camera, it would have been like that Seattle photo of, uh, you know, people eating their dinner and there's someone on there doing his or not Seattle, uh, San Francisco. Mm. So I mean, we're headed towards that and and saw it first, see it firsthand and some other really bad things going on. The needles fortunately didn't see sharps, but went by the uh, the tiny home village by the China Garden and plastic caps and orange just all over outside Mm -hmm. the fence because they just throwing it over the fence and and it's everywhere. And so at least fortunately I didn't see sharps proper. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and just the smell and everything. And, and, you know, that's, that's where we're at. And 43, just on your side of the river, I mean, it's popping up. Fortunately, it's not quite as bad as what downtown's experiencing, but it's creeping in there. And you talk to people on the outskirts of the city, that's what they're campaigning on is we don't want Portland here because that's what it's, yeah. that's what it is at this point that people are worried about. I think that a lot of Democrats look at spending money as a proxy for fixing problems. They they will say I mean you even see this with Kotec is yeah. part of she's like oh I I passed this bill to spend a hundred million dollars on X Y and Z yeah well the problem didn't go away you, uh, so you, you just, wasted you just our money wasted that money but that's what they will tout you, as their you, their accomplishments as I spent so much money on these issues so um, absolutely um, so I'm a constituent of my district yep, yep. and. And this was a piece I didn't quite realize, you know, if you're running up against an incumbent, um, about three weeks or so before the primary ballots showed up, I get a mailer. Mm-hmm. My representative wants to have a town hall and meet people. And they did a combined one with myself, uh, uh, the young man that took Kotex place. Um, I think it's whole St. John's and all that. So it was mine, him and, um, the, the state senator for the area. Mm-hmm. They do their little town hall over in one of the schools. And so the mailer shows up and I'm looking at it and it was very apparent that they, you know, just looked at my website because it's ding, ding, ding. You know, my top three issues, if you look at my website, bringbackportland.com is, uh, nice. you know, the homeless and really more public safety, the broader mm-hmm. piece, which homeless crime, those are like the two big ones. Um you know, business friendly and the education system. Like those are the three majors that I've decided to kind of set up on. And, um, in the mailer I get from my representative, I look at it and addressed all three of those Mm -hmm. basically. And especially education and the homeless, more money, more money. That's it. And, and, you know, I've talked to people across the spectrum um, and it's been really amazing. I mean, it's kind of scary, you know, being the Republican and especially Northeast. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, uh, yeah, little, 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 quite intimidating going into it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's our, my resume accomplishment is more money. Mm-hmm. Well, more money into bad systems doesn't mean anything. It's, it's worse. And, and it, to me, it even kind of amplifies, um, the whole industrial homeless comp complex aspect and i've heard others say this i was on alberta street uh meeting and shaking hands with folks and a young lady come up probably my guess would be late 20s and very apparent opposite side of the aisle Mm -hmm. you know probably 80 percent of the people walking through there identify that way i can look at people and tell if they're a democrat (laughs) (laughs) but uh it was interesting she 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 had you know she kind of postured up a little bit and she's like well what about the homeless and start talking very apparent she's very much on the other side of the aisle Mm -hmm. you know and 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 very strongly it was it was it was there and so i so i brought up and my big thing that i and i've got on my website and i've got a blog piece that details it with references linked references i wish news agencies would do that kind of thing did the uh went to the bybee lakes wapato facility and so i'm telling her my experience with that and it makes 
sense. The gentleman there that runs it, um, great meeting with him is, you know, you identify the individuals, figure out their their personal trauma that they've dealt with, full wraparound, separate them from the bad place. I mean, trying to have services downtown and and calling that treatment is like having the AA meeting in the bar. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, being able to physically separate them away for, to some degree um, and, and get in the weeds. What is the core of their problem? And working down to that, wrap around and get it done. And this young lady stand across from me and we we're preaching to the choir. It was like me and you sitting here talking about things that we agree on and just, it was there. Yeah. Um, it was actually kind of a goosebumps, like, wow. And it was a good shake hands. You know, I don't know if I got her vote or not, but, and she had said she's, in, and she used the term homeless industrial complex. Mm. Um, Cause I, she said that she's been involved with several of homeless organizations and such to help out. And she sees it and knocking doors. I met this couple, um, Got off the streets, drugs, the whole thing, recovering in, in a, in more or less transitional housing, basically getting it figured out. And, and she had a lot to say. And her husband there is just like, yep. And she said the same kind of thing. She works for a nonprofit now that does, you know, works with homeless stuff. And she's planning on leaving because she's just disgusted. She sees the money going to furniture and salaries, mm-hmm. you know, and she gets it because she lived in. She's like, you need this wraparound. Yeah. And another lady. Yeah. It's, and, and that's been a great part. Just, knocking on random doors, meeting people that have experienced it, have something to say, and there's been common threads and a big and and solving this. So looking at the Bybee Lakes, it's not necessarily throwing money to the Bybee Lakes people and say, hey, you know, you're you're our right. people to fix yeah. it, but it's looking at those models and systems. Yeah. And even with that, a lady I spoke to yesterday is one of the last doors I knocked on. She moved out from Jersey and she started talking about an organization that she was with. She's reached out to politicians here. She worked with homeless. She said they got the organization she was with. They got the veteran homeless down to zero. Mm-hmm. And, and then when she, I asked, okay, well, what, what was the model? What was it? It was basically the same thing here. Individual wrap around you know, fully, you know, balance out, not just here's your home and figure out for a while and then, you know, okay, we'll go over here for counseling, go over there. It was take hold. So it's, it's done. It's all over the place and we're just not coordinating that. And from well, a state level, you can put strings on the money to, to press that to be the, the way to do it. And we had had a uh, hopefully future colleague of yours, um, Eric Estep, running for HD 37 yep. on the show. And uh, he made a point of you know, Republicans have the 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 reputation of, you know, oh, and, you know, we homeless people. We don't care about that. We need more homeless people because we want to raise taxes. I, I don't know, whatever, whatever liberals think <laughs> about Republicans. I have no idea, honestly, the caricatures that they invent in their mind. But he came on and he was talking about it. he said it's inhumane how how an individual going through homelessness is, is kind of forced to live and kind of forced to experience something out on the streets. And then we talk a big game here in the city yeah. of Portland and then, Oh, we're, we're doing all this. We're spending all this money to help and nothing ever ends up, ends up working out. And he, you know, he made a point to reference that they are our neighbors. And he said, yeah, at the end of the day, it's one of those, like it's a fellow human and you can have a discussion about whether or not you it's, it's, Government that needs to jump in and spend the money or, or religious organizations need to jump in the private, private business that needs to jump in, whatever. But at the end of the day, the problem that we we've got is not being solved by the people in power yeah. right now. They throw more and more and money at it for no results. My, yeah. I've, I've probably said this a dozen times on the podcast, but the, the current system and because you have people in charge who think that money equals success, yeah. what they'll do is they say, okay, we have a problem. What's, what's our problem? Well, they, they don't have socks. So, all right, yeah. let's, let's create this grants, this program to provide socks. Okay. Now there's a, there's a homeless, there's a, a, 
a nonprofit that is going to give out socks to homeless people. Right. And so they give them $10,000. They give out socks to homeless people. And then at the end of the year, they say, how many socks did you give out? Oh, we gave out 100,000 socks. Great. You met your goals. Here's another, you know, however many thousand dollars. And that's how the money gets used. And at the end of the day, nobody's ever even better for it because right. they've got their thing so yeah. you, you've got you've got a, a group that does mental health counseling. There's got a group that does shelter. There's a group that does food. There's a group that does, you know drives around mobile showers, and at the end of the day, they're back in their they're back yeah. in the tents. It's it's not cohesive. There's, there's, there's it's not no coordinated. There's no relationship. There's no dignity. There's just hey, here's a problem. It's playing whack a mole with all these different symptoms. And what you need, like you like you alluded, like you mentioned, is. A one-stop shop where you take care of people's basic needs, you take care of their emotional needs, you take care of their, and you you work with them to get back into society. We need to start looking at um, how many people get jobs and leave the system as a metric for success, not how much money yeah. we spend on it. Yeah, you know, 100%. if you can, if you can say, okay, you're someone who's in permanent housing and you have a job and you're leaving our system you're get, you're getting off of government assistance because you are self-sufficient that needs to be the person who we are who are okay that's one in the win column that was you see commercials for it i think it's hinge it's one of the dating apps but there the slogan is designed to be deleted and it's like well yeah, yeah, yeah. At the, if yeah. you're good at what you do that's as a dating app you meet somebody and yeah. then you don't need a dating coordinating app coordinating <laughs> yeah. is probably the biggest thing because i mean you guys know we have mm-hmm. piles of organizations that are willing to do stuff um, mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to homeless and poor and and and, and if you can get a grant for things. it, you can pay your salary and you right. can you know make a healthy yeah, living. It, yeah. Just, but it's the coordinating it yep. is is the issue. I one of the ladies I spoke to that's been involved with stuff had said, um, it, it, and, and I, I want to investigate this further. If I talk to some folks, but it it was brought up that the various groups don't even want to associate with each other. Like there's this competition. Mm-hmm. It's not because they're competing for money. Yeah. And if, if one gets a grant, that means the other one doesn't. And, and, and right. And so, you know, that, that would certainly be my understanding too. Like I said, I'd like to delve into that further and talk to more folks and see what they say. And I've been meeting people in, in various involved in various degrees, but yeah, I, I don't doubt that that's necessarily the case. And that's sad. I mean, this, this is a co-op venture we need to get into, not, mm-hmm. not a freaking head to head. And, but again, a failure on part of our representatives at all levels for for not identifying that and getting it done. Um, yep. That's that's a big thing. There's just such a lack of leadership. People stepping out there and going against the grain, calling out like this is not working. And appreciate that people are trying their best efforts, but there's no results, and that's what matters. And I so, think people are seeing that, and that's one of the things that I'm trying to harp on. I mean, I'm a retired Marine. Results yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's and at the end of the day, that's well, what well, you need to do. It's what you measure. Like I said, the Democratic what Party. Yeah, you got a point. Managed, you got what yeah. your metrics. They they measure how much money is spent. And you look at all their advertising, all their mailers, all their everything, it'll say, we spent X amount of money on this thing. We spent X amount of money on that thing. And that's what they're, cla- that's what they're claiming as victories. Yeah. They don't claim well, and results. So they claim money spent. When, when I moved here, I actually worked for a group that was, we're, we were trying to work with nonprofit organizations and help them, you know, get communication set up and SEI and or SEO and all kinds mm-hmm. of good stuff like that. Get the, get the message out. And so one of the things was like, okay, well, what are the nonprofit organizations? And there's something like, 10,000 registered nonprofits in the state of Oregon, over half of which are here in Portland. Right. And it's like, how is this not ripe for consolidation? Like, do we need 
six feral cat organizations? And it's like, <laughs> of course the answer is no. But if you go around and say, hey, you six need to consolidate into one thing. You're all working towards the same goal. Now everybody's going to be like, well, this is my job. This is my livelihood. And you we're yep. we're talking about the same thing that we have going on right now. It's like you said, Tim, it's the homeless industrial complex. And we're not yeah. interested. in Fortunately, the, the nature of it. Um, because of all and and just this is just kind of coming off as we're talking about this like didn't quite think about this I'm a big free market minded guy mm-hmm. and uh, government grants is not free market nope if these organizations you know if, if it was heavier on and I don't know what their numbers are and they're I'm, I'm sure there's some that are better than others as far as uh, donated funds um, you know ones that run off donated funds they would have to show and impress the people that give them the money, not just do, not just have a, somebody that's really smart at writing grants. I mean, that's a whole Mm -hmm. industry, you know, it's worth paying someone to write grants. That's, that's a whole separate job category of its own, regardless of what your organization does or doesn't offer. Um, it's kind kind of my two cents when I look at government or a nonprofit organizations is I've found the more money they receive from the government, the lower the quality of work that they, that they do. Yeah. If you find organizations, they get, little to none money from the state money from from taxpayers those are the ones who really have to work at it and who do the best work because you're right they have to they have to get donors to, yeah. to well by lakes the, yeah. the hope center at by lakes i mean a no great money. conversation with him zero government money and part of their reason too is because there's strings attached yep and he's like we have our way of doing business we have a proven solid he's been doing it for 20 years he himself was a homeless uh, person out of florida and all the bad things traveling the country and landed here in oregon and turned his life around with tremendous success you know improving mm-hmm. others yeah. and and helping and and yeah, he had, you know, people invested in him because he showed he can make, get it done, take a building and turn it into something useful instead of just, uh, you know, something that's collecting dust and, and even costing money like that facility out there at Bybee Lakes as was. A, uh, as a very quick aside, I'll just say, Tim, you just did a great job staying on message there. For our, our, I don't know if it's going to come through in the microphones, but some guys mowing the lawn outside. We have our window <laughs> open and then also our dog, just my dog just started barking at it. So we have a, uh, we got a, a cacophony of noises going on here right now. But Tim is just like, no, I have something I need to say. We're going to make sure. <laughs> oh, the yeah. You here. get, you get so me worked up and I'll be like, <laughs> no, that's, you I, know? that's what you wanted a candidate not and, somebody is oh what's going on oh, what is this no no i mean because yeah i mean <laughs> I, I i've been that. relatively immersed in this stuff now for for yeah. you know six months talking with people learning about it um yesterday was a pretty intense day with a few of the folks that i talked to um you know even the local you know the racism thing i, I just want to show you a story because this was this was um incredible walk up on this one door um and and this um uh very old gentleman sitting out on the porch um and walk up, excuse me, sir, introduce myself, old black man. And according to the data things that I'm working off of, he's probably pushing 90, Mm -hmm. um, about 90 years old and talk to him. And, and after talking to him, he's like, you know, this might be the first time I vote Republican. Hmm. And more so than that, his story, he experienced the, the hardcore Jim Crow black South. Sure. Um, he was a Chicago guy, joined the military. I'm guessing army based on where he probably got stationed in the South. And he was just saying, you know, he, um, uh, at his duty station ended up in deep South first time ever got told you need to go to the back of the restaurant. You can't be out here. Hmm. And it was, um, incredibly sad and, and painful for him. Cause he's like, why would I put my life on the line for these people? 
He signed up for the American military, doing his duty, patriot, and that instant. And to this day, ninety year pushing ninety years old, still that that's there, and yeah. and that's that's that shaped his world for him for the rest of his life, and um, you know, just uh, an amazing moment there, and and intriguing to hear that, you know, that's uh, that's some of what people have experienced, and and yeah, I wonder if we're gonna start seeing minorities um start coming over to the republican party oh absolutely it's already long. happened uh, there's yeah, a was headline say, there's yeah. polling it's, it's yeah well there's a headline happening. i saw a headline i think uh, this morning or yesterday brand new one that um there's getting to be more hispanics yeah and and i'm wondering about the black community because they're by and large conservative by nature i mean mm-hmm. it's it's not unknown very there's very thick very heavy religious beliefs and religious views in the group family oriented you know traditional minded and um you know well i wonder if stuff if like this is just a couple days ago as we're recording this couple days ago uh biden canceled ten thousand dollars of student loan debt for predominantly overeducated white people yeah and i wonder if stuff like that is gonna like i wonder if the black community is gonna look at that and be like hmm uh, do they really have my best interests in mind? Is this really the guy that is going to look out for me and my interests when he just gave this great payout to somebody you know, making people making six figures? Year, people yeah. making yeah, like under, if, yeah, ten grand to somebody making six figures a year. I mean, that's not chump change, but that's not okay. Helping. That that's wildly disproportionate. That yeah. is, you know, is yeah. the opposite of helping underrepresented minorities yeah. and, and marginalized communities is giving ten thousand so, dollars like to forgive credit card debt. That's that. Greatly yeah. disproportionately <laughs> affects go. lower income, lower educated individuals. Let's forgive credit. That's much higher interest too. Yeah. If we're gonna if we're gonna look at forgiving st- any kind of debt, why well, is it that? Why is it not student loans? Let, let's. I mean, take a step back. I, <laughs> I, I'm obviously I'm obviously being. Yeah. I'm not advocating for I think, forgiving I think, uh, the government cutting cash payouts by the federal government is a is just a, a bad thing for yeah. the economy in general. Especially think, when we just passed many a, reasons. We just passed a you know stop the inflation act and then turn around and put something out that's potentially Which is just a Spending put, I know, and is potentially like, a ten, is potentially a trillion dollar, you know, just poof. I mean, we is. just spent multi trillions yeah, of around dollars, three hundred million dollars for the student loan thing to yeah. to do absolutely. It's about it's four years until the student debt gets back to the level that it's at now, and it's just like. And so, what's that? What are we doing? What's that going to do? It's going to stimulate the economy. Our already overstimulated, well, inflated economy. Like <laughs> Uncle come. Joe, to, yeah, to, exactly. to parlay this back into state stuff. Um, that's Good another man, thing. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I I will have no effect or impact on you know um, Congress or the presidency or any of that. We can yet. complain um, about it. We can complain about it a couple years yeah. when we have congressman <laughs> well and that that's that's a thing too is is um you guys i mean you guys know well enough oregon the spending is is insane looking for every dollar they can get on everything every way that can get taxed and a big one when i've talked to people they get it. and even similar to the homeless issues that's going on they're just not good stewards of our money and that resonates people get it you know people yeah. see that when when we got a guy that through his own sheer will and and being smart at Bybee Lakes is doing it for $14 a day. And I've got the links on this on my website with to the original sources. Our local government with state, federal, and local is almost $100 a day allocated per homeless. So when those people are in the side of the tent, you drive by and they're in a tent there, there's $100 a day allocated for that person, 94 technically. But, but yeah, it's yeah. still, you know, li- almost literally pennies on the dollar. People are getting it done. Um, I saw a good write up I want to I want to um, delve into and look at about Boston. Uh, somebody visited there and was like, 
it didn't see the blight situation like you do here and looked into it. Homeless population similar, demographics similar, blue city, port city, and, and they don't have a choice because when the winter comes, that means dead people. End so, of story. Yeah. Um, and they've got it under control for substantially less than we do. And odds are it's probably just you get to know the individuals. At least Multnomah made a step in the right direction. I don't know if you heard about six weeks, two months ago, they did pass, although I haven't heard what the progress on it is, that they are going to identify the individuals and basically like do a portfolio database or something to at least yeah. start documenting that aspect. Now, then I believe a concern out there is the HIPAA stuff. If they're going to maybe try to get in this coordination, that turns into a whole mess potentially. But that's something where state level, you know, should have, could have engaged this conversation a long time ago. And if that's a solution, then, you know, Man, figure when, out the when, laws when, to get I that will settled. throw it out there. Massachusetts, Charlie Baker is a Republican governor. Maybe uh, we get oh. Governor Drazen in there. We actually get some accountability with these things. So listeners, yeah. if you care about the homeless crisis, I mean, vote when Republican. We, when we were in Afghanistan, I mean, you're dealing with non-U.S. citizens, but like every Afghan we came across, we got our biometric yeah. scanner out. You took a a screen like took their their thumbprint and you took a photo of their of their iris and so we had a yep. database of everybody coming and going yeah so if somebody came in that was not you know not known to us that we so we have this technology already yeah. we could catalog all the homeless people in oregon we could see how many who are coming and who are going we could keep track of of what their needs are and where you know yeah we could solve this through data absolutely but there are advocates and i I use that term lightly because I that that are just opposed to any sort of change or any sort of anything that would make life slightly more uncomfortable for for the homeless population. Right. And uh, so I've said this before, too, but I whenever I hear the word advocate, I replace it with enabler because <laughs> that's really what they are. If you're a homeless advocate, you're a homeless enabler and you are you are enabling people to kill themselves over over years by living on the streets. So for and me, I, I appreciate what you're saying and, and I get where you're coming from. I'm I'm not a fan of of the big sweepings like that because there certainly are some small organizations doing well and and such. Um and I think, you know, kind of like the foot soldiers there in the mix are diligent. I mean, Portland especially, I mean, there's so much cuz people people do People do in Portland. Now, mm -hmm. you know, how effective it is, et cetera. I mean, there can be questions. I mean, obviously, we still have a homeless issue, but at least people are helping and people are doing and reaching out. Um, and that enabler, the enabler aspect is certainly a, a tough, difficult one. If you, but if there's, you a, there's a piece yourself, too. If you well, there's a piece of it that, that um, you know, the results matter. Are we, we've empowered our government at these various levels with the expectation for them to do it. What I do think is wrong is the people here by and large haven't held that government accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that's the travesty in this. People know it's bad. They know it's a problem. Um, and as much as they want to help, I, I was interested in volunteering and, and looking at trying to volunteer at a place in, in whatever aspect. But a piece that really bothered me is, is just a bandaid. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, a little piece of the, that's a piece of the motivation for getting in is okay. Let's try to get to the kernel of this, you know, and we certainly need the aid and the band-aids. It needs to be there to try to keep people from dying in the streets when the cold weather comes yeah. through the hot weather, et cetera. But, um, you know, it's really important and we need, we need people to look at what's, are, are there, are the representatives getting to the core of the problem? Are they mm -hmm. doing things to get to the core of the problem? They're simply not. I mean, the, you and need it's to in do our both. faces. You, you need to you need to both take care of people's physical needs, yeah, and also work to get them 
out of that situation. At right. The but you it's lopsided equation right now. Right. You can't, you, we, we tend to do one or the other. And typically we kind of err on the side of band-aids because that's more measurable. It's something you can throw money at. And, and, and it's quicker and, and it's easier. It's, quicker. it's immediate gratification. And, and there's a lot to that. And you can campaign on it. I yeah. think this is the problem with, uh, with our and system too. And then you're too, back to homeless industrial People complex. need to go through yeah. and try to win election again. And that's, it, you can't sell a long-term solution to voters when you have a short-term election. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need to trust that the work that you're doing matters enough and the results are going to end up speaking for themselves. But yeah. nobody cares about that. And that's why the Democrats say, look at us. We just spent another bill. We just passed this great thing. All the Republicans yeah, walked and, out. And it literally and nothing is. ever happens. About it, it. it literally is. I, I saw it. And that, that really struck me when, when my opponent sent out the mailers. It was literally more money, more money, more money yeah. into things that have not been working for years now at this point. Um, you know? So are you part of, is it in your district where they're doing the Rose Quarter expansion or talking about doing the Rose Quarter expansion? Are you familiar with that project at all? I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Right, I think that would be it. just outside the district. Is it just outside your district? I, okay. th- right. I think it's outside the district. I wanted to complain so about that. Where, we'll yeah. I'm, I'm Lloyd <laughs> District, so depending on Rose Center, so I've got Lloyd District and the Moda Center and stuff is part of it, but I'm not sure about what you're I think you're it's just north to. of that. So. It'll be a little north of that, but okay, they, so they're, they're broadening, uh, 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 I think, one lane on each side, uh, I-5 well, north and south, and they're going to do a goofy roof thing or something. They're going to spend a billion dollars to put a cap on the roadway. Well, you were talking about gentrification earlier, so I guess I'll I'll get into it since we've gone down this for a full 40 seconds now. <laughs> um, they're, they're going to trying to spend a billion dollars. So they're, they're, the, there is money allocated by the state to right. add an extra lane. They okay. said, uh, we're not Makes actually going to, we're it's not going to, in the butt down there. Right. They say, we're not actually going to add a lane. We're going to add an auxiliary lane, which is not the same thing as a, as a through okay. lane. And we're going to put a cap on it. And it's going to spend, it's going to cost a billion dollars. Wow. The cap being because they're going back to this gentrification thing. They're like 75 years ago when we built I-5, we bulldozed a huge section of black homes, right. cut this community in half, and now we need to fix it. We put a, a cap over the top, and now all of a sudden left and right are, or east and west are connected. Ah. Sounds sounds good in, in theory. Well, the problem ba- <laughs> is it was seventy five years ago, right? So all those people so, have left. It, it's, yeah, and, and actually, I've been to some things, and the black community, a, a lot of the black community I've spoken to, and mm-hmm. and it's been the you know it's been the older folks that lived through it, whether as they lived through as adults or children, and this is the reality, and they, the damage has been done. Old yeah. Portland, old Portland, the, the, the Portland that they knew growing up with that they love and, and want is not coming back. The damage has been done. You can't organically that, that was, that was a lightning in the bottle, you yeah. know, of this comes together. And even, and I've heard many of the black community flat out say, this is virtue signal there. This is yeah. just to feel goods like for, Oh, here's a great one. Here's a great one. A gentleman I spoke to involved with the city and housing and such grew up in the area experienced the gentrification himself um low income housing um mm-hmm. and 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 uh, there's the program where the residents that grew up here get priority to go in you know they got to show that they went to school here or something they come back into the neighborhood sure low income housing well he goes in and guess what they've got a massive room giant giant room on the first floor that's bicycle storage <laughs> and he flouts says and i agree and there's a whole other like okay Bicycle commuting is not really much of a thing in the black 
community. That's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, this like cultural left imperialism going on, which that's a whole other conversation. Cause that's been something that struck me forcing into this bicycle community mode. Well, there's communities of color across the board that that's just not a thing. Yeah. Like that's just not there. You go sit out on Vancouver and the commuters are going by. You go downtown when the events are going on. Like that's, they're not taking the, they're not taking that's, bikes. that's yeah. not there. That's not what, that's not a thing for them. Mm-hmm. So here it was the city, instead of having space for one or two apartments, a couple more apartments that could have facilitated, you know, they've got this arbitrary bicycle required storage and new buildings and so on. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's still just that deaf tone. Um, imposing, Hey, we're the government. We're here to help you. That's the whole piece I've been trying to hammer too is it was government power and a government, a, a, a huge government power having the ability to come in and strip these away and did this damage. And one of the things for me that I'm trying to speak to is less government, less powerful yep. government at those levels. It's what did this damage and it's going to happen again. It's happening again. The whole gas, uh, potentially outlawing combustion engines yeah it's the same thing it's the same thing we know better here you go and it's going to destroy people's lives reshape cultures and all of that and it's just a deaf tone well you know this is better anyways we know better well you know these hot the 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 highways and stuff well we know better that's what it was 50 60 years ago well we are coming toward the end of the podcast and so one of the things that we like to do at the end of our podcast is ask our guests who their favorite republican is and so I wonder if you got an answer to that question. Besides yeah. me and James. Besides, yeah. I mean, you can say <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, nobody's ever said yeah, that, that hasn't happened yet. Someday, someday. Well, I will say hats off, especially you, James, knowing the, the, the work you've done, even putting this together and, Agreed. and, uh, thanks. Man. Um, Appreciate it. You know, throwing yourself out there in, in Portland, um, as a Republican. Um, so yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, if I pick one as far as history goes, by and large, Calvin Coolidge. Nice. Um, My favorite president. I like that a lot. I heard about him and didn't know much. And I heard how he handled the Roaring Twenties. There's a reason for the Roaring Twenties. And of course, there's people, oh, it's because of the Roaring Twenties that we ran in the Depression. Well, by and large, they agree now. No, that was fed. You know, even even left aligned feds of history of recent days have said, yeah, it was bad management. But yeah, when you look in the details of Calvin Coolidge, pretty amazing. It was just very sensible. National debt reduced by near 25%, 24% just through common sense. It was hard cuts, per, you know, big percentages, double digits. One of the things I really liked was he was just known for not doing much. It's like, hey, Congress is responsible for running and setting up laws and doing all that. This activism and and presidential agenda pushing thing wasn't there. You know, just it's, you know, these presidents come in. It's more bullets for their thing. Well, that's your Congress is supposed to do that. And, you know, executive should be kind of the, you know, should be a narrow, narrow thing. And narrow his, his handling of the police strike as governor of Massachusetts in the, the 1910s was also yep. was something of that definitely should be emulated. It was similar to Ronald well, Reagan, the air traffic control. Well, that's what. 1980s and yeah. it's like no we need to we need to get this taken care of now well even too i, mean, I didn't know this one until i was looking through there's pictures of him wearing um uh indian he- headdress hmm. and and um you know there's people that freak out over that oh well he was actually in do- adopted brought into a native american tribe full-fledged you know kind of that huh. that because he did the um uh, was it the it was like the Indian Citizen Act or something like that. That, okay. that was a step um, to that. It was amazing stuff back then. 
Well, um, I got to yeah. read up on this. Guy. There's a lot. He's, he's, a, he's a sleeper and he was actually, yeah, silent cow. He, and he was, was literally a sleeper, but yeah, he really is a sleeper in the realm of presidents and, and greatest, worth into. Is the greatest one we've had. One of four presidents with the first and last name to start with the same letter. And our baby will be named Calvin due in early January. Oh, that's yeah, not that's why, because of Calvin Coolidge, but I did Calvin mention that to Madeline before. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And also I guess Snoop Dogg's real name is Calvin. So of the three, I've, I've yet to be like, Oh, like Calvin Coolidge. People walk up to me like oh you mean like calvin and hobbs or my cousin was like oh like snoop dogg and i was like i mean you know or the or the or the president like uh, we could we could go one of three ways with this but um but yeah i fully fully agree calvin coolidge is somebody who should be both read up on more by a lot of republicans and emulated more by a lot of republicans fantastic well we're about out of time tim thank you so much for coming out thank here you. and getting on the podcast oh and if yep. i could pimp my website go ahead go for it. i didn't do I'm, I'm bad at the uh the intro no my housekeeping do. done but yeah you can check out my website i got a uh, bringbackportland.com um got information about me there a little bit of my bio you know my life as a marine etc and um you can learn more and always looking for donations and support if people are interested and willing outstanding and uh yeah all right. Here, here. Well, yeah. Thanks again for coming on the show. And listeners, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.